a reading from Psalm 97. The Lord reigns. Let the earth be glad. Let the distant shores rejoice. Clouds and thick darkness surround him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. Fire goes before him and consumes his foes on every side. His lightning lights up the world. The earth sees and trembles. The mountains melt like wax before the Lord, before the Lord of all the earth. The heavens proclaim his righteousness, and all peoples see his glory. All who worship images are put to shame. Those who boast in idols worship him, all you gods. Zion hears and rejoices, and the villages of Judah are glad because of your judgments, Lord. For you, Lord, are the most high over all the earth. You are exalted far and above all gods. Let those who love the Lord hate evil, for he guards the lives of his faithful ones and delivers them from the hands of the wicked. Light shines on the righteous and joy on the upright in heart. Rejoice in the Lord. You are righteous and praise his holy name. The word of the Lord. Good morning. Thank you, Tony, for reading our scripture this morning. Thank you, music team, for guiding us into this spirit of joy this morning. And as the kids are dismissed, you can be turning to this passage that we just heard read, Psalm 97, if you have a Bible uh, in front of you. But every who down in Whoville liked Christmas a lot. But the Grinch who lived just north of Whoville did not. The Grinch hated Christmas the whole Christmas season. Now please don't ask why, no one quite knows the reason. It could be his head wasn't screwed on just right. It could be perhaps that his shoes were too tight. But I think that the most likely reason of all may have been that his heart was two sizes too small. So begins how the Grinch stole Christmas by Dr. Seuss. Today's Advent theme is joy, and I think it's fair to say the Grinch in this story struggled to find Advent joy. Is that fair? If you know the story, the Grinch was so miserable as Christmas got nearer, and he was so joyless, he wanted to steal the joy from the Who's that lived in Whoville. He wanted to keep Christmas from coming, and so he hatched a plan, and he got his dog, Reindeer, and he, on Christmas Eve, while all the Who's were sleeping, he snuck into their homes down the chimney, impersonating Santa, and he stole all the gifts from under the tree. He took their decorations and their food and everything. And then he waited that morning to hear the sound of misery that he expected when all the Who's would wake up and find Christmas gone. And so he's waiting on his mountaintop, listening, waiting for the wailing and sobbing, and he finally hears something, but instead of sobs and wails, he hears the sound of singing. Because the Who's were still celebrating with joy, even though there were no presents and there was no food. And the Grinch, with his Grinch feet ice cold in the snow, stood puzzling and puzzling. How could it be so? It came without ribbons, it came without tags, it came without packages, boxes, or bags. And he puzzled three hours till his puzzler was sore. 
Then the Grinch thought of something he hadn't before. Maybe Christmas, he thought, doesn't come from a store. Maybe Christmas, perhaps, means a little bit more. And what happened then? Well, in Whoville, they say that the Grinch's small heart grew three sizes that day. It's a nice happy ending to our story. The Grinch in our, uh, learns that there is a joy that is deeper than circumstances and deeper than stuff. And the story ends, even the Who's uh, invite him to their Christmas feast. But what the story doesn't answer, how the Grinch stole Christmas, doesn't really answer the question of how the Who's could still hang on to their joy. As the Grinch is puzzling and puzzling over the question the best he can come up with, and he's right, he's on the right track, maybe Christmas means a little bit more than he originally thought. But that's not really an answer, is it? We're left maybe still puzzling. Maybe you, uh, this Advent season, in some way can relate to the Grinch. As a believer, you've experienced joy, you know joy, you know the truth about joy and where it's found, but maybe you aren't living in it at the moment. You're not planning to steal Christmas presents from young children, I hope. But this has been a tough season, I know, for many of us in this room. And so maybe like the Grinch, you're feeling like your heart this morning is one or two sizes too small to contain the joy that you desire. That there's no room for you to experience the joy that we have just sang about together this morning during Advent. But wherever we are this morning, I want us all to come back for these few moments as we look into Scripture to the source, the true source of Advent joy. Like the who's in the story seem to know that this joy isn't tied to stuff or circumstances and even can be a constant in times of great suffering. In Psalm 97, the psalmist invites us into this joy, the joy that is ours in Christ. And so as we turn there, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Father, we thank you for this scripture. We thank you for its truth and its beauty. And I pray that this morning, with so much on our minds and our hearts, we, by your Spirit, can take these few moments together and get a deeper glimpse of the joy that is ours in Christ. And so open our eyes and our hearts to your word and transform us together deeper into joy, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's look at Psalm 97 and starting in verse 1, the psalmist writes, the Lord reigns, let the earth rejoice. Let the many coastlands be glad. Clouds and thick darkness are all around him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. Fire goes before him and burns up his adversaries all around. His lightnings light up the world. The earth sees and trembles. The mountains melt like wax before the Lord, before the Lord of all the earth. And so the psalmist first first invites us to find joy in God's reign. That's how the psalm begins. Find joy in God's reign. This psalm is right in the middle of a group of psalms, Psalms 93 through 100, that really elevate this theme of God's rule, God's reign. And this is such an important anchor for our joy because it's a truth that doesn't change. God is always ruling. And biblical joy, as we've said, isn't dependent on circumstances. Our our happiness, our emotions are constantly going up and down, but our joy can be a constant. 
when it's fixed on our unchanging God and his reign that is always true. And so no matter what's happening in our lives or in the world around us, the psalmist tells us that God is reigning. God is ruling over all things. After Israel's monarchy was just a distant memory, after their exile, faithful Jews would come to this psalm and use it to anchor their hope. We may not have have a king on the throne, but God is on the throne, and he will one day make all things right. And today, as believers, we come to that same truth. And in our context, with all the strife and the division around us, the economic uncertainty, the fear about the future, there's so much in our lives, in our world, and in our personal lives that seems to contradict joy. And Psalm 97 reminds us that Jesus is on the throne. This time of year, we sing Joy to the World, a, a hymn that brings out this same idea that these psalmists bring out in this group of psalms. Joy in God's reign. Joy to the earth, the Savior reigns. He rules the world with truth and grace. God's reign anchors our joy. Verse 1, the Lord reigns, let the earth rejoice. But then if you notice, verse 2 makes a pretty sharp turn, doesn't it? A turn we're not expecting. We have images of clouds and darkness and fire and lightning. The earth seeing this presence of God and trembling. These images are probably not where most of our minds go when we think of joy, right? If you type joy into Google image search, these images are probably not what would come up first, right? You probably, maybe something like kittens and rainbows or something, but probably not mountains melting like wax is not the first thing that'll come up. But the psalmist wants us to make this association. The psalmist wants us to connect joy with these Honestly, fearful images of God. Why? Because seeing God as in this image of this holy, all-powerful, righteous judge is how we reconcile our joy with all the horrors and evil in the world around us. The psalmist says, yes, there is great evil, there is great injustice, but none of it escapes his sight. One day the judge of all the earth will right every wrong. This truth, this image of God is a terror for those who have set themselves in opposition to God and his ways, but it's incredible comfort for God's people. God reigns. The season of Advent recenters us between the two comings of Christ. We can have joy, and we should have joy in this season, especially that Christ will return and he will make all things new, the righteous judge. But we can never forget that when Jesus rose from the dead, when he ascended to the Father, he took his seat at the Father's right hand. He is already ruling. The kingdom is already his. And so the psalmist is saying, we don't have to wait for that day to have joy. We're called to have joy right now because of God's reign, and even more, it's a command. Rejoice is a command. A command that we may be finding it difficult to obey especially if we're going through trials, suffering. We can think, if God wants me to have joy, why is he doing this in my life? Some of us are struggling to pay the bills or we're grieving the loss of a loved one. We're worried about the future. I know for some of us, the holiday season is a trial in and of itself just to get through it because of heartache and loss. More and more, we're hearing and reading about the collective trauma 
that everybody has been going through over the last few years. And I know I'm, in my life and in our family, we're feeling the accumulated weight of just the trials of life. I know it's been easy for me lately to slide back into thinking joy is based on circumstances. That I just need to wait for things to get better to have a deeper joy. But the psalmist calls us back to true joy that is there for us. It is ours in Christ no matter what else is happening. And scripture goes further. See, our trials are not just something that we endure and hopefully can still hang on to our joy, but actually they point us deeper into joy. What does James say? Count it all joy when? When you meet trials of various kinds. James says. And trials of various kinds, that pretty much covers it. Trials of all kinds. We don't seek out trials. We don't seek out difficulties and suffering. But when they come, James says, we can count it all joy. Count is a financial term. Do the math. Evaluate things. Crunch the numbers and you'll find out that you have good reason to have joy in your trial. Why? James tells us the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. In other words, the trials that we face are not an exception to God's rule. They're not a a, a bump in the road of an otherwise kind and gracious God. They're not an exception. We face trials because God loves us, because God wants to grow us. He wants to root out the idols of our hearts. He wants us to grow in dependence. As we follow Jesus in suffering, we become like him in his suffering and death. So know that whatever you may be facing right now, it is under the sovereign care of God. And it may not feel that way, but this is the truth. The sovereign and caring rule of God that includes trials and suffering and grief that in the scope of eternity somehow is how God is going to work all things together for good to those who love God. And so the psalmist calls us to rejoice in God's rule. And secondly, the psalmist invites us to rejoice in God's presence. So think again about verses 2 through 5. These fearful images of God are what are called in Scripture a theophany, a visible manifestation of God's presence. And often in Scripture, when God shows up, there's great fear and trembling, rightly so. God's presence is awe-inducing. Like on Mount Sinai, where there was clouds and darkness when God descended. But remember, again, this is all in the context of joy. This psalm is a call to find joy. And so while God's presence is awe-inducing, as believers in Christ, we have no reason to fear God's presence. And the world was in sin and opposition to God, and God's presence came to us, and that's what we look back to in this season. God's presence came to us in the incarnation, not in fire and lightning and earthquakes, but the cries of a newborn child. Jesus came to take this judgment, this holy and righteous judgment upon himself so that we might be welcomed in, so that we might be forgiven, and even come boldly now into this same presence as beloved sons and daughters. See, we could not come into the presence of God, so the presence of God came to us. Emmanuel, God with 
us. God did not distantly see the problems of our world and snap his fingers from a distance and take care of it. He came into our world so that we could be forever in his presence because he knows how he created us, that his presence is our joy. I love how David puts it in Psalm 16. I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. The presence of God was David's joy. He said that in God's presence, his whole being, every ounce of who he was, rejoiced. There's fullness of joy in God's presence. And if that's true, then, and it is, then the invitation for us is to seek the presence of God continually, to live in the joy that is ours in Christ. Do you, know that, do you notice here that David says, I have set the Lord always before me. Think about that. God is everywhere. God was already with David. God's presence isn't something that we muster because God is already with us, right? But David says, I have set the Lord always before me. David says, I'm going to set my mind, I'm going to set my heart on the presence of God. And how much more true is this for us today after Jesus' coming? Jesus has reconciled us to the Father. Jesus promised to never leave us or forsake us, and he sent the Spirit to live in us. It doesn't get any closer than that. That is presence. God's presence is with us. And so the, uh, the right response of our hearts is, should be to seek that presence, to spend time with God. Where else is true joy to be found? We should enjoy the, the gifts and the blessings that God gives us, but never forget that true joy itself is found in the giver. It's found in the presence of God. Look back at Psalm 97 and verse 6. The heavens proclaim his righteousness and all the peoples see his glory. All worshipers of images are put to shame who make their boast in worthless idols. Worship him, all you gods. Zion hears and is glad and the daughters of Judah rejoice because of your judgments, O Lord. For you, O Lord, are most high over all the earth. You are exalted far above all gods. So the psalmist brings in this concept of worship as this way of seeking the presence of God. Like this morning, as we have gathered together in worship, God is already with us. God is already with us, and he has been with us throughout the week. But as we gather together, we proclaim this truth. God is with us. We seek to live in that truth together, in the very presence of God together. In worship, our hearts are drawn back from those idols that so subtly creep in. Worship increases our joy because it brings us back to what is true, our unshakable hope in Christ. And so, are you seeking God's presence this season? We seek his presence in worship and in prayer and in scripture Time alone with God and in community. All of these are vital. And so if you're feeling distant from God during this season, what do you think is the roadblock? Maybe it's distraction or busyness. I know for many of us, just the chaotic 
busyness of this season is a constant distraction from what the season is supposed to be all about. And so we have to be intentional, maybe this time of year more than ever, to be seeking God's presence in the midst of distraction, in the midst of busyness. Maybe it's your suffering. Maybe in your, in your hurt, in your pain, you have allowed days or weeks to go by without seeking God's presence in his word and in prayer. We feel like maybe God has abandoned us. But it's in our suffering that we know that God can meet us even most deeply. That's where the love of Christ is there for us. And it may not feel like it, but the truth is that God is moving toward us in our suffering. God is always coming closer to us. This is not a truth that is defined by our emotions, but the truth of the gospel. God is moving toward us in our suffering, not away. Or maybe it's the sin in your life. You feel like your failures have created distance between you and God, and all those lies of the enemy creep in and make you believe that God loves you less. But Scripture is so clear. It was at the peak of our sinfulness, at the peak of our separation from God, that Jesus came down and took on flesh, that Jesus gave his life for us. When we did not know him, that's when he came and gave his life for us. How much more, then, is the love of Christ? How much more is Jesus here for us and moving toward us, even in our failures and sin, for those who are his? He stands ready to forgive, ready to receive us, ready to restore our joy when we return to him, when we seek his presence. Which leads us to the last invitation of this psalm for us this morning, and that is simply to receive the gift of joy. We can have joy because God reigns, and we know that joy is only found ultimately in the presence of God. And so true joy, then, is not something that we muster up on our own or with positive thinking, change of mindset. It's a gift that we receive. Look at verse 10. Oh, you who love the Lord, hate evil. He preserves the lives of his saints. He delivers them from the hand of the wicked. And so the more we're in God's presence, the more we naturally hate evil, that which is opposed to God. God wants us to turn from that which steals our joy. Those things that might satisfy us for a moment, but ultimately steal our joy. Verse 11, light is sown for the righteous and joy for the upright in heart. This image of seeds, seeds of light and joy being planted in God's people. I like the way the message paraphrase puts this verse. Light seeds are planted in the souls of God's people. Joy seeds are planted in good heart soil. Good heart soil. What, who does the planting? Well, of course, God does the planting. This joy that God has in himself, he plants in his people as a gift. I love the way that Charles Spurgeon describes this. He says, there was, always, there was joy always in the mind of God. He is unspeakably blessed in himself. But all this joy was nothing to us. We could not reach it. But in due time, God sowed joy for his people, took it, as it were, out of himself and cast it in the fields of his eternal purposes, that there might be a harvest, not for himself, for he was happy enough 
but for all those whom he gave to Christ, who are made righteous in his righteousness. What a truth. Our triune God, who had all the fullness of joy in himself in eternity past, created us in his image and wants to share who he is. He wants to share this same fullness of joy with us. And in the call to worship we heard this morning, Jesus say he wants our joy to be full. And if you don't know Christ as your Savior, Jesus came that you might have true joy in God's presence. This relationship is something that you receive as a gift by faith in Christ. And then as a believer in Jesus, we step into a life of continually receiving his grace. More and more joy. As the psalmist tells us, as we seek God's presence, we naturally turn from evil, and our hearts then become more and more open to receiving these seeds of joy, good heart soil. So how's your heart soil this morning? Is your heart feeling cold? Is your heart feeling closed off to joy? Or is your heart open and ready to receive? In this season of Advent, we look back to the first coming of Christ at Christmas, but we also look ahead to the second coming when his rule will be established fully. This image of God's reign will be completely fulfilled. We will know joy in God's presence like we never imagined. And so this season, we, let's have a forward-looking joy, keeping our eyes looking ahead to our true hope. And yet, again, this joy isn't something we have to wait for. As verse 12 concludes the psalm, Rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous, and give thanks to his holy name. That means now. Find this joy now, not later. Yes, it will be far better then. But this joy that we will experience then, we're already invited into now. Christ is already ruling. His kingdom is already advancing. His spirit already indwells us. Our inheritance is already secure. And so we claim this joy here and now as an act of faith. I love how the prophet Habakkuk says, Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. This is a statement of faith. That no matter what is happening around me, I'm going to choose to find joy in Jesus Christ. Because no matter what we face, God's people, we are uniquely equipped, like no one else in the world around us, we are equipped to have joy here and now. This joy that is a light to the world around us that so desperately needs this joy. And needs to see it in us. And in Christ it's ours. And so we're invited by the psalmist this morning to live this by faith. And so where are you this morning on the joy spectrum? You know, on one side you got the who's that are in Whoville. On the other side is the Grinch. But even the Grinch in the story finally learns that there is a deeper joy, right? That transcends circumstances. And that there might be just a little bit more to Christmas than he thought. If your heart's feeling a size or two too small this morning, come back to the truth that if you know Jesus Christ is your Savior, you already have the resources, you already have all you need for your heart to grow to cultivate that good heart soil where God wants to plant his joy. 
true joy is in Jesus. And because he is the source of our joy, because he is unchanging, that joy in us can be constant. And so let's take some intentional time this week and throughout the rest of the Advent season to seek true joy at the source. To meditate on this truth that can anchor us in joy no matter what is going on around us. And no matter what is going on in our hearts. Jesus is on the throne. Jesus will never leave us or forsake us. And we can live in the gift of joy through the provision of Christ in us. And so, you who are righteous in Christ, rejoice in the Lord. Let's pray together. In this prayer by Henri Nouwen. Lord Jesus, master of both light, the light and the darkness, Send your Holy Spirit upon our preparations for Christmas. We who have so much to do and seek quiet spaces to hear your voice each day, we who are anxious over many things, look forward to your coming among us. We who are blessed in so many ways long for complete joy in your kingdom. We whose hearts are heavy seek the joy of your presence. We are your people, walking in darkness yet seeking the light. To you we say, come, Lord Jesus. Amen.